0: Oh. M. Mom!
1: Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to an out-of-this-world episode of Give It To Me Straight. I'm your host, Maddie Morphosis, and on the show today, we have the pork chop queen of season 15, Miss Irene Dubois. Oh, a label that I didn't ask for and can't escape. Yeah, honestly, I feel like going home first is honestly better than going home like second or third. Can I tell you?
0: So many people say that to me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. If it like comes up and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't great. They're like, oh, he's shooting go home second. People say you don't remember who went home second. But then when you meet them, you don't remember their placement.
1: Mm-hmm. Going home
0: first is a label that I cannot escape.
1: Yeah, I feel like it adds like charm, though. Because if you go to a show and like you like blow it
0: out of the water, they're like. <laughs> <laughs> the expectations are so low. I did not
1: expect this <laughs> from a pork chop queen.
0: Unfortunately, I have yet to blow it out of the water.
1: Well, you know, boy, <laughs> well, you just came
0: from uh, Arkansas. You know, you go to like the backwater town, yeah. like, one drag queen a year. You know, there's I, I uh, when I was looking for management, I was doing like interviews with different people. And one of the managers was like, you know, there's going to be the people who do things like New York Pride and L.A. Pride, but there's also going to need to be people to do things like Reno Pride and small towns. And that'll be you mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, man. I was like, well, not going with this one. Yes. But he was so right. Small towns, I'm ready for you.
1: Yeah, like some people sell at Madison Square Garden. Some people are failed jazz lounge singers. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's we're all a part of the wheel. You know, we're oh. all cogged somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of uh, at the nightclub I was working at before I got on Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. At least I raised my booking fee. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's good. You're like now it's three drink tickets. <laughs>
0: Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> that I give away because I don't drink. Yeah. Well,
1: oh, you don't drink? I'm a sober sober lady. This is all. Chemically balanced. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. The mental illness that is contributing this is yeah. the reason I can't drink. I sort of turn into a monster. Oh. Yeah.
1: because I take lithium?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not that big of a mentally ill oh, person. Okay. No, uh, just the depression one and sort of the being a kid from the South mm-hmm. who is gay. But um, you wouldn't know anything about that. I, uh, I drank a lot my freshman year of college. And then after like my third physical fight, I was like, I should probably get a handle on oh, this. Oh, you fight? Oh, baby, I get physical and then immediately have a nervous breakdown. It's sick. Oh,
1: the duality of man. The duality of
0: woman. Of
1: woman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but how did it feel making history as the first contestant in Drag Race history
0: to place 16th? I'm obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I am officially the lowest ranked queen in the history, history of the Drag Race franchise. And I'm obsessed with it. Like no one is better at failing than I am. I'm a sickening failure, baby. Mm -hmm. At least I'm good at something.
1: But after the show, Despite Plays in 16th, have you found like a lot of opportunities after the show or is it still very like gold It depends
0: on what you mean by opportunities. I have had the privilege of getting to tour. Um, Obviously, I am not doing the same. When when you go to a restaurant, do you get an appetizer? Oh, baby, I get an appetizer, a water, and a soda.
1: Oh, okay, so yes.
0: I'm a workhorse, so I was doing drag full-time before I got on Drag Race. So I was able to sort of go back and kind of amp up my local gigs. Mm. So I don't have to travel for less than a certain amount now, which is great. Mm. Um, and it means that I don't travel as often, but it also means that I am usually making pretty good money mm. when I travel.
1: Do you have like, a, like ambitions outside of like performing, like one woman shows or things like that? You like wanna like take Of course,
0: take yeah. I mean, I have always seen my drag sort of getting out of the bars at some point and entertaining people in a more sophisticated way. Mm -hmm. I really love the bars and I was attracted to drag um, originally because it was sort of for everyone. Um, But yeah, no, I'm kind of stalled out right now with the first out thing. I've sort of just got to play that role for a little while and let the gears turn. And then, you know, maybe I'll be performing in nicer nightclubs at some point in the future. Like,
1: like the really nice clubs in flyover State. Yeah,
0: like baby. Yeah. Omaha, Nebraska, I'm coming. Yeah. What's unfortunate about my drag is that I don't really dance or do stunts or have talent. So when I perform on a big stage like that, mm-hmm. I just don't really feel. Th- I'm like, I need to be up close with an audience member mm-hmm. because what I do, it's interactive. Like you will fuck up a brunch. I will. F- oh, baby. I am the brunch queen. Mm-hmm.
1: Like if someone has a phone facing you, you're like, it's going- oh, you're about to get a shot.
0: Oh, it's going in my mouth. The amount of phones I have put in my mouth, there are videos out there floating around of my tonsil stones. It's sickening. Mm.
1: Like, you started COVID. Like just, <laughs> yeah, boo. Subject zero. Ah! <laughs> I, I feel like one of your biggest strengths, like in drag and like on the show, was like your personality. I feel like
0: Oh, you're you so went sweet.
1: through. I mean, it's, it's not saying it was a real personality, but like the one you presented, <laughs> it's it was well it's,
0: manufactured, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made in a lab, but it was. <laughs> It was very like unfiltered. I think a lot of queens in the go to drag race, they're very like self-produced, but you went in there right out of the gate. The first person you saw, you immediately were reading them. Yeah. Is, did you plan
0: to go that way into the competition? Or were you not worried about the fan reception? I think that a, a lot of what fans respond to is people being shitty people. And I think that as long as you're not being a shitty person, it's okay to say what you're thinking. Just don't have shitty thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I work really hard on being a good person mm-hmm. and like, you know, not hurting people's feelings. I also only ever made fun of people's drag. That's true. I think that if you're in a drag competition and it's televised, we are supposed to be critiquing each other's drag. That's how you become a better drag queen. If you're in a dressing room and the drag queens are not critiquing you, it's because they want you to fail.
1: Yeah. You're going in there, you're like, oh, your wig isn't actually that long.
0: Okay. Whereas like, everybody thinks that I was reading her. I was trying to get the number of the person who sold her that wig so that we could beat him up together for scamming her ass. She's only 22. Mm -hmm. Well, she, like she, the she, amount of she, inches
1: that wig was. Yeah, she's like, but I feel like I'm 40. <laughs> yeah. Girl, I feel like I'm 40. My fucking God. Mm. You have like heartburn, ingestion? It's just your... sort
0: of like I always have a little bit of a tummy ache.
1: Oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's because you eat like You eat appetizers
0: and sodas and, mm-hmm. you know, cinch my organs into oblivion mm-hmm. so that I can look.
1: Cut. <laughs> you drink Mountain Dew. You look like a Mountain Dew person. I look like. <laughs>
0: Is it because of the color of my skin?
1: No, but it doesn't help. Uh, you look like you've had your Baja Blast at a time or two.
0: You know <laughs> I do like a Baja Blast freeze. Oh. The icy. Oh, so she's bougie. So you you are making more coin now. Oh, okay. baby. And in Seattle, they jacked the prices up.
1: Oh, shit. The yeah, a Baja
0: Blast freeze is like $5. Damn.
1: Yeah. Inflation. I know the hardest hit market that no one's want to talk about. <laughs> the Baja Blast yeah, everyone's market. Everyone's talking about housing prices and job security. It's like, can we talk about how Baja Blast or six dollars <laughs>
0: for a large? It's now? fucked up. Yeah, I'm actually more of a Dr Pepper girl. Oh,
1: but you know, I'm because well, you're from Texas.
0: I am from Texas, mm-hmm. and I am a real Southern beauty. I don't drink water; I drink sweet tea.
1: But had you gone further into the competition, what do you think you would have been able to add to the chaos with like your unfiltered persona?
0: Entertainment value.
1: Are there, there are specific moments from the show you're
0: like, I wish I was there to interject myself? Every time Mistress was started coming for somebody, a lot of the girls- you wanted to like double team or like- Depending yeah. on the situation, I think that a lot of the girls, because they were afraid of conflict, didn't know how to de-escalate in a fun way. You know, they just start getting flustered and start yelling. The thing too is I, I'm i a conflict driven person. I went to theater school where mm. in, a, in an acting class, you're basically just hammered, go for the conflict, make the conflict, raise the stakes, like let's make this hot and heated. So that's kind of what I do naturally now. Mm -hmm. I like to argue, I like to, you know. You know those girls in the dressing room who like start drama for no reason because it's fun for them? Mm
1: -hmm. That's you. Boots. Yeah, no matter what the situation, you just like add to it because you went to theater school. Someone's like, you slept with my brother. You're like, yes, and. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's improv school, Maddie. now. Hold on now, acting is a little, it's a tier above. Oh, okay. So acting, improv, mime, drag. For a lot of people that don't know, they just released the 90-minute
1: episodes of your season. <laughs> so you probably got like a, Woo! L- you got a little bit more screen time. 13
0: seconds, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, even,
1: but with that, is there anything that you still wish we got to see that we didn't? Whether it be on camera, off camera?
0: Actually, a lot like you, I was reading the girls as they came in. You know, I had a lot of zingers my first oh, okay. scene in the show. And obviously once I think Marsha walked in, they sort of just stopped including me, mm-hmm. but I was going for it. I was trying to get Anitra to take her helmet off. And that first one I was like, take it off, take it off. And then they literally cut and they were like, Irene, stop saying that. Anitra, do not take that off. And they also at one point cut and they were like, Irene, stop looking to camera. Why, it's fun. Are you trying to have like an office moment? like? Literally, I. they don't want us to acknowledge we're on a TV show, mm-hmm. but I think it's more fun if we do.
1: Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like the only person that's gotten away with that is like Bob. They let Bob look to the camera like a lot. She yeah. has confessionals where it's like, it's not even her saying anything, She just like.
0: Which is great. We, yeah. we know it's a drag show. Come on, let's, let's have fun mm-hmm. with
1: it. Like, speaking of things that were shortened, your talent show with like the water, it actually was originally based off of a live performance you did that was much yeah. longer. What is it a part of the live performance that was cut that people didn't get to see?
0: Like what added context or bits? First of all, the everything takes longer. I think the comedy comes from the pointlessness of the act. Mm -hmm. And the longer I'm doing something pointless, the funnier it becomes, the more people realize, oh, this is all she's going to do. I also sort of uh, explain things that don't need to be explained, Mm -hmm. like where you can find water and uh, where you can find ice. So it's like one of
1: those things where it's like, it starts, off, it starts off kind of funny, then it dips, and then after time it comes back to being funny. But because of the time, it stopped right there at the bottom.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure we ever made
1: it to the top. Do you, think, do you think that it actually was a little bit funnier in person? Do you think that...
0: I'm gonna say something... Not to blame it on the edit. No, but. I know, and that is so pathetic, to blame it on the edit. And I really don't want to be that person. Like, I really get it. I've watched mm-hmm. so many girls be like, oh, you didn't see, I actually said this and they didn't show it. And it's so uh, cucked, you know? Mm -hmm. Not even taking out the laughs that the other contestants were doing. Forget the fact that when I did the dress rehearsal with the producers, they were all laughing. The most egregious thing to me was actually changing my act. And what they did was they stopped my act halfway through, which as you know, comedy is all about rhythm and timing. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do an act like that and interject Malaysia in the middle saying, this isn't funny, no one's laughing. And then they came back and they had replaced the music that I chose that was thematic with like, and I think that that, you know, really did a disservice to the fact that the act was supposed to be dry. Mm. It was supposed to be not funny. And that's where the comedy comes from. But they didn't play along with that. Mm. They 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 made it look like I thought I was really killing it and everyone. It's a little disappointing, mm-hmm. especially because when I was at the viewing party for that episode, before they stopped my act, everybody in the bar was cracking up. And I've heard from so many people that they did find it funny. So it is disappointing. I think I, I'm not bitter or upset about it, I'm just disappointed.
1: So you're like, you're watching it back at the viewing party and you're like, what is this fucking baby Huey ass music? Oh,
0: you better believe I had Niche on speed dial, baby. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to need you to run that one back. It's chocolate. Which, I mean, I already knew I went home first. So it's sort of like, yeah, whatever, edit me however you're going to edit me. Mm -hmm. And I definitely lost that lip sync, so I can't be too mad. Mm -hmm.
1: But another talent that you do have is that you can actually juggle. I can. Why didn't you? Did you not ever think like maybe I'll do that?
0: Like a like a live. Talent? Do people care about juggling? Would anybody want to see that? I mean, like, if you were juggling, just like hacky sack balls or something. Do you like, want the realty? Yes. We had a runway category that got cut that was checker print, and for that runway category, I brought a checker print clown outfit, and it had three buttons that were removable, and I was going to come down the runway, remove the buttons, and juggle. So. I did have juggling incorporated into one of my runways,
1: and yeah, like reveals and stuff. See,
0: but they almost all of my runways had a reveal. Yeah, if they, well.
1: they would have kept it in, you might have gone home second.
0: Boots, and then we'd be talking about Princess Poppy all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, she quit drag
0: anyway, so. Well, maybe that's because she went home second.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But what was worse for you, being sent home first or being left unread by Willow Pill on Grinder?
0: Probably being left unread by Willow Pill on Grinder. I wanna her so bad. I wanna jack that shit up. Have you tried again, like an Instagram DM? She'll she'll message me back on Instagram. That's the fucked up part. Mm. Every time I'm in the same city as her, which is oddly often, Mm. I always tap her or message her. I'm like, hey. The one time she did reply to me, it was to tell me she'd just met my mom. It was at the finale. She she's on she's on her own journey right now. I wish she was on my <laughs> God damn, yeah, she's we sexy. Could, we could probably make that happen. Hey, Willow Pill,
1: like that's like
0: I'm a twink person. I like twinks. Mm-hmm. And she kind of rules
1: mm-hmm. over the twinks. So, so, where did your obsession with twinks come from? Was that, <laughs> was, that something, was that something they developed like later in life or was it watching Peter Pan as a child? Like, where was like what was the
0: entry point? Uh, not too much on Peter Pan as a child, bitch. That little twink in Peter Pan had my fucking eight year old self tied in knots. The cartoon or the live version? The live version. Like Hook? No, no, no. There was a Peter Pan movie that had a Coldplay song in the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, Robin. 40 year old Robin Williams had me going through it bitch. Yeah, you're
1: like that's my favorite. Who's your favorite twink? Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. You'll be sick. Of your <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> the safe word
0: the safe word is rufio. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not too much. Uh I think I don't know if it came from somewhere. I was just sort of like uh, you know we all f- what we want to be. And I think I've always sort of wanted to look like an elf, be the change you want to fill in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Be the hole you want to cream. So uh said I want to be an elf, so I want to f- elves, kind of like how you're straight. So you, you got it. Yeah,
1: I also want to f- elves. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, you know? we make great toys. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the bridge between worlds. You know, <laughs> the glue to The bridge to Terabithia, dead.
0: <laughs> uh, reeling it
1: back into drag race. You were. <laughs> <laughs> people suspected you of being on Drag Race all the way back to like season nine. Not like, true. Rumors abound. People were speculating that you were on. Is that by design? Were you one of the girls that pretended to go? Like you
0: were? I moved to Seattle right when season nine was filming. Mm-hmm. And just to like prank everybody in Houston, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be on my phone for a little while. And then they were like posting about it on Reddit. And now if you Google me on Reddit, which of course, when when you get cast on the show, you look yourself up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like one of the first things that pops up. It's me and my ex in LA. God didn't want me to talk about that. Oh my gosh! Let him use you. <laughs> oh. Could you imagine the version of me that existed when season nine was filming? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even have gotten sent home first. I would have been doing sound. Yeah, I would have been sweeping.
1: <laughs> you were cat Yeah, you were on the season. You were cast as AV. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I was janitorial. No, I was working craft services.
1: Like, you're like, Micah's someone up. You're like, yeah, they said a few more years of this, and now they'll put me on. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's earning uh, Akritur's equity points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving to Seattle, you met your uh, Seattle sister, Bosco. Bosco! you guys don't know her, she was on Drag Race also. Uh, but she, with her being a finalist of the season prior, did you feel a pressure to match that expectation, or did you just not care? You're like, I'm doing my own thing.
0: Um, Little calm A, little column B. I think that... The pressure definitely came from. The call was coming from inside the house. Mm -hmm. You know, I've wanted to get on Drag Race from the time before Bosco had even started doing drag. Mm -hmm. I've been doing drag a lot longer than she has, and she she's an incredible queen. And so she just sort of excelled way past what I was doing. And um, her getting on, I always say, her getting on Drag Race was the best thing that ever happened to me, because when I was going through the process of getting ready for the show, I sort of had someone to coach me. Not like it helped at all. But yeah. it uh, it did make everything a little bit less anxiety inducing. Yeah. yeah, like
1: coattails to ride, like a legacy of. Oh, bitch,
0: stars. when I got sent home first, I was like, well, at least Bosco signed with Voss. Yeah. At least I still have a fucking inn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, whenever Bosco did get cast, were you like, obviously you were happy for her, but were you like bitter in a sense? Were like, you like coming out, all these costumes, and they cast the bra and panty queen? Were you like, <laughs> of the two, you're like, why not me? Chewing bitch, me- if I had a body
0: like that, I would be in a bra and panty too, trust and believe. Bosco is hot as hell and she deserves to be in a bra and panty. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that like, it's not called the costume. It's called the look, right? Mm -hmm. And your body, your vessel, your canvas is part of the look. And she puts a lot of work behind the scenes into her body. Mm -hmm. She works out, she eats right, she's been dancing for years. So when she puts a bra and panty on and then you see the parts of her body that she's chosen to show you, it's all cohesive. It's an intentional... Look, Mm -hmm. what's fucked up is that the one that she really finally got read for is the one that I made her. Mm. That silver one. You were the nail in her coffin. I I was like so excited. I was like, I'm ready. I'm not on Drag Race, but at least something I made is gonna be on Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And then it gets there and I'm like, yes! And they're instantly like, what the fuck is this? You've worn this already. With Bosco being your sister and her being like another alternative queen
1: from Seattle, obviously you drew a lot of comparisons between you two. And it was actually the comparisons which drew you to like your distinct like drag identities. Her being like a demon and you being like an alien.
0: Like one. (laughs) Why an alien specifically? Um, Well, first of all, thank you for calling us alternative. Only in the rest of the world are Bosco and I considered alternative queens. In Seattle, we are considered the polished queens. Mm,
1: Standard issue. When I got
0: there, everyone asked me if I did pageants. I think that growing up in Texas, I always, as a queer kid, felt like an outsider. Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand the things that all the other kids seemed to just innately understand. Mm -hmm. You know, they just could tell that there was something different about me, and that made me feel like an alien. Mm -hmm. So I think it was sort of when I decided to embrace the things that made me different instead of hiding from them, embracing feeling like an outsider from another planet meant, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, like this can actually be a strength of mine. And I've always loved Star Wars and sci-fi things, anything that can sort of, Take me off the planet
1: Earth and reality, and just yeah, no more trauma. Like your drag art form became something of like a form of like escapism. Maybe this
0: is therapy. therapy. This is therapy. Uh Boots.
1: Well, what was it specifically that made you feel like, like an alien of sorts in your scene? Because looking back, like you seem like a pretty standard issue, like. To, like teen from like the- Holy shit! You seem like a pretty standard issue, chemically
0: balanced teen of the time. Look at that coconut head.
1: Yeah. What was it? You can what tell
0: Justin it? Bieber was in full force at this time. Mm-hmm. Look at this. I graduated. And I was like, baby, baby, baby. And that's all we can sing. Otherwise you have to pay for it. Yeah. What, what was the question? Why am I like little co- <laughs> <laughs> But like, you seem like a pretty normal kid. Like what
1: was it like made you feel like an alien in like the- Oh, I'm, I'm a gay F word. Oh, that was it? I'm an F-slur.
0: Yeah, like, the the version of me in this,
1: I acted the exact same. Yeah, I thought there was more. I thought maybe, like, you were a kid that growled at people or something. I don't know. Like, more cat ears. Yeah, cat ears. Uh, just, I was very gay. Just so gay. Was there ever a time you were in? Or were you always out? A
0: long time, actually. It took me a long time to figure it out. I, uh... You know, people early on when you're gay, a lot of times, the other kids can smell it before you can. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, you're gay, huh? And I was like, hmm, I don't know, but based on the way you're saying that, it seems like gay is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna say no, I'm not that bad thing. But they did not take no for an answer. They're like, yeah, you are. So people were telling me I was gay before I knew I was gay. So imagine my surprise, the first time I saw some Uh sucking and I was like, damn, I'm bricked up. I was like, no, I am the thing. Yeah. Well, I can't admit it. I've been saying no this whole time.
1: Well, was it was it beyond just like name calling that you experienced? Or was it like, was it something more?
0: A little physical, oh, a little physical, a little, a little beating up. Is that when you started fighting? You know what? Actually, that's probably why I had so much aggressiveness in me is because I was kind of a small kid. I developed late in life. And mm-hmm. so being small and gay, I was very easy to pick on. And so when I finally did, you know, re- start releasing some of those feelings when I would get drunk, It was just anger and aggression from being picked on for so long. And uh, I think I had to find other ways to let that out. Baby, I let it all out on the stage. Oh, God, if I could get my legs up in the air, maybe I wouldn't have gone home first. Were
1: your parents your first bullies or were they supportive? They were very supportive.
0: They've always been extremely supportive. In fact, my parents knew I was gay way before I did. And they would ask me about it constantly. Like I'd get in the car, eyeliner on from school because I was playing with makeup. And my mom would go, come on. You're gay.
1: And go, she didn't say gay, she said the other word.
0: <laughs> and I'd be like, no. I didn't come out to my parents until I was 19. Oh damn. Isn't that crazy? They're just like my mom literally jumped out of the chair and almost cried and gave me a hug and was like, Oh, thank God, I thought you were in denial.
1: So, But also, too, like, there's nothing greater than the feeling of being right, so I resonate with that. No,
0: that's literally why I didn't come out to them. I knew I was gay, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I'm not admitting that I've been lying. I'm not admitting that I was wrong this whole Mm -hmm. time. I can't do it. I can't face the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, But I finally did have to face the truth when I walked in from college and had hickeys all over my neck. My mom was like, who gave you those? I was like, some guy named Isaac. She's like, That's a
1: weird name for a girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, now get to meet her. Obviously, drag was not the original plan. Would you go into like college? Oh, what was that noise?
0: The, drag has been the plan for a while.
1: Well, whenever you first like, went to college, you. Drag was the plan, but before theater, I got to so, college. So you were like, I'm going to go to college for theater and it's going to help my drag career?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, so like whenever you end up moving to Seattle, was that all part of the same plan?
0: I moved to Seattle because I had visited. Because my dad moved part of my family up there and it's just so much better than mm-hmm. everywhere else in the country. It's just an insane place. It's beautiful. The people there are progressive and forward thinking, it's artistic. And I was like, well, I got to get out of Texas and this seems like a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I went to college for theater, but I was taking classes specifically to enhance my drag career. I took solo performance, uh, gender in performance. And that's probably why I thought going into drag race, I was like, you know, I'll do something intellectual and something theatrical and who probably should have just dropped out and gone straight into the clubs, but
1: (laughs) yeah, it's like you you went in the same path that a lot of Queens do, except you put yourself in considerable more debt to do so.
0: Well, mama, don't write off my intellect too much. I might've gotten some scholarships. Um, Welcome to the stage. Pale Grant. Actually, that'd be a great drag king name. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, you know, some poor kid money. I, I, I was a smart kid in school, but, like, I didn't get, like, shit for,
1: like, Well, baby, you're stuff. from
0: Arkansas. The bar is on the floor.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, in my school, it's, like, they didn't teach. I didn't know how to do anything. I was working full. I was trying to pay for it as I went. I had no idea how to do, like, scholarships and grants and stuff like that. They didn't have a class for it? No. They had... No, I took, fucking ag classes. They basically... Ag? They basically were, like, hey, if you, uh do ffa you can basically get a full ride scholarship to the u of a and that's what i was gonna do you did ffa i did poultry future
0: FFA. farmers of america
1: yeah i uh i have like plaques i have won state you know i in been... what
0: cow tipping i was uh no judging poultry judging poultry miss mm. is shaking i there's bankruptcy
1: i know i mean we're we gonna have to have like a a, a chicken knowledge like quiz you're all gonna, all gonna have
0: her day? on the show and you're both just gonna
1: yeah <laughs> try to guess the call <laughs> But yeah, poultry sciences.
0: Okay, so what did you major in then in college?
1: Uh, I went for first like undeclared and then I was like, I'll just go to business
0: school. Like your gender.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got my BFA in ambiguity.
0: Your CD BFA. I got my CDL (laughs) in ambiguity. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: No, I was like, I I didn't know what I want to do. I was like, but I started working full time and I was like, I'll just get a general degree and I can go up pretty much anywhere. I'll get a business degree. And then I realized that like, I'm not good at math. Oh, yeah. I was great at math in school. Then once I started throwing them letters in. I'm like, oh, baby, when you got to spell the math
0: problem out, it's over. I
1: was like, I don't know what all this is. Yeah, figuring out an angle. Okay, <laughs> enough about me. Back to you. Um, at, at what point did you find drag, though? Like, Take us back to like you discovering drag to your first drag performance.
0: I discovered drag when I was nine years old. Oh. I was cast in A Midsummer Night's Dream. A Midsummer Night's Dream? A Midsummer's Night Dream? Yeah. What a, you
1: were in a Shakespeare play.
0: Uh-huh. And there's a character in that play who is in drag. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that I was given, go figure. And I mean, I was you know, I was just like, this is fun, wigs, femininity. And then when I saw Drag Race for the first time, it was sort of like just all the gears in my brain finally attached. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that is what I'm gonna do for the next 15 to 20 years of my life. So what was your actual
1: like first drag performance and how bad was it? It was not bad.
0: It was very good actually. My first drag performance was at a club in Dallas oh. at the Rose Room actually, which is, I didn't know at the time, but it's a legendary drag venue. One of the what nicest places. Drag
1: me, did you got a gig at the Rose Room?
0: It wasn't a gig. It was the Rising Star Amateur Contest oh, okay. I'm about to say, there it is. on Thursdays. Um, but I got second place my very first time. I did a Rose's turn. Did you tell I was in theater school? Mm. My Bernadette Peters fantasy. <laughs> but I turned it well, out, baby. Well, I acted like, the shit out of that.
1: Well, you're like an 18 year old kid doing Bernadette Peters. It's like.
0: Yeah, we had problems. <laughs> At least now I've really figured out my zone. Yeah, you're Jolly you're, Green you're Giant.
1: Like, you're the worst kind of queen, a theater queen.
0: I'm I the worst... do. I do hate theater. a theater queen. <laughs> the first amateur contest I won in Houston, I won for doing memory from cats.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you moved to seattle you had no money you sent out like a million job applications I don't make that face you're driving a, a like a 2004 acura don't to make that face <laughs> but yeah like no money you're applying for just throwing random job applications out everywhere and you finally got a call back and you actually quit that job the first day <laughs> yeah i did <laughs> it's, it's something about like getting rejected a lot people someone playing with their bare feet. Just walk us through that day and why you walked out (laughs) on the first day of your job.
0: I got a job canvassing for some organization that was raising money for the ACLU. And it was my job basically to go out there with a clipboard, stop people on the street and ask for money, which is just not my vibe. I only like getting money from strangers if I'm like moving my mouth around other people's music. Mm -hmm. So I get there the first day and it's like my orientation, but everybody else there has been doing it. And they get in a circle, And the first thing they do is stand in a circle, say their names and their pronouns. And I was like, I'm in danger. I got to get out of here. And then they had this person train me on how to basically force people to give give us money. Mm. And the whole time she was training me, she was sat there barefoot, digging in her toes and like pulling skin off the bottom of her foot. Mm. Like. So then we get out there and we're on the streets and I'm like, hey, would you like to give money to protect gay people? No one wants to give money to protect gay people. Mm-hmm. And literally like five hours into my first shift, I went up to the person who was like in charge of my little group. And I was like, hey, it was so lovely to meet you. This is not a good fit for me. So here's the supplies. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Uh, okay. But I still got paid like 50 bucks.
1: Hey, <laughs> yeah. well, it wasn't the only job that you had uh, issues with. Because at one point, you and some other queens banded together to try to create a drag union in Seattle. Yeah. And the immediate response was just getting fired. Everyone yeah. got
0: fired. What What happened? So and speak your piece. Say names. I I okay. I uh. So when restrictions started getting lifted for COVID, the venue that I had worked at before the pandemic was the first drag venue in town to open at, and. I was the host of all of the shows. It was still before we were able to really go into the audience. So all of our tips were done via Venmo um, and we would be tipped out an amount at the end of the show. That was sort of like our portion of the Venmo tips. One day something came up in the group chat and some of the backup dancers or something were talking about their tip out. And the Queens were like, wait, the backup dancers are being tipped out. We didn't know this. And it wasn't that we necessarily had a problem with it, we just were sort of like, why are we not aware of where the money is going from the tip pool that is allegedly for the queens? It, it wasn't necessarily that that was so egregious, it was just the lack of communication bothered us. And so we said, this lack of communication is bothering us. And the owner who is just like a very abusive person came back with just this like, tirade of insults and making it personal about him and us not trusting him, but also calling us selfish and greedy. Mind you, the Venmo tips were like 50 bucks. I think during the pandemic, everybody just sort of stopped taking bullshit from people. And a lot of drag scenes kind of uprooted during the pandemic because everybody had time to sit and think about the injustices. You know, look at what happened in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we... Created a list of things that we would like to see change, including, like, better communication, better pay. Um, and we weren't necessarily making demands. We were just sort of like, this is where we would like to start with negotiations. And he came back and was like, absolutely not. None of that's going to happen. And we were like, OK, if we can't even start a conversation, we are not going to perform. We Like, we're not going to work for you if we can't discuss treatment. And he was like, great, none of you work for me and he boxed up all of the stuff that we kept in the dressing room, took photos of the boxes and sent it to us and said, you have one day to get this or I'm donating it. And we were like kind of flabbergasted, you know, we'd we'd just gone through this year of not getting to do drag and then the like whiplash of getting back to almost full time and then getting completely cut out of our income again. And we reached out to the rest of the Seattle drag community mostly just to say like, this is what's happening. Please don't go support this venue. Please don't work there. And the rest of the Seattle drag scene sort of jumped on the opportunity and was like, this is great. We all have been disrespected by different venues and we all would like better treatment across the board. Let's sort of use this momentum to, you know, earn a better position for ourselves in the city. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a bunch of drag queens from outside of the Seattle city limits who weren't really a part of the Seattle community that had existed prior to covid came in and took those jobs that we had lost. So the venue was able to continue operating its show. Um, It was was a great learning experience. And overall, I think outside of that venue, other venues in town watched what happened and realized that we weren't really gonna put up with mistreatment anymore. And so pay did raise throughout the city, across the board. Mm -hmm. And several venues that didn't do drag before that started doing drag, started from a baseline of like, well, we know that you guys like really demand respect. So so we'll start from a good place. Mm -hmm. And I found out when I encountered one of the new hosts uh, at a show from the venue that we got fired from, she came up to me and sort of whispered in my ear, thank you so much for doing that. Cause thanks to you, I'm getting paid tons. And I was like, I think I might punch you in the throat, Mm -hmm. but also- You fell on that sword for- I fell on the sword. So these divas can get paid more than twice what we were getting paid when we worked there. Mm Which, you know, the thank you I got for that is them all hating me and talking shit about me constantly. But yeah. whatever, girl, I'm, I'm not I'm not sweating it. Things are working out just fine for me now. So
1: you, you, As we were saying earlier, drag for you, it was something of like an expression, like an exploration for you. What, how is it factored into like your gender identity and expression?
0: My gender is difficult to understand even for me. I sometimes feel like a trans person. I sometimes feel like a boy. And around twenty eight, I just sort of sort of stopped trying to understand it and just present the way I feel happiest. And I think that is reflected in my drag as well. I don't necessarily always feel inclined to present a female character in my drag. more so, just a glamorous character. Um, but gender is a mind fuck. I don't it's a mind field, too. I don't know how to I don't know how to figure out my own gender. and i'm not I'm not really bothered with it any longer.
1: Where do you fall on the pendulum of, like, gender roles do have, like, an added benefit to society versus it's completely arbitrary and pointless? Like, where do you fall on that scale?
0: I think that we should divorce gender roles from a sex at birth. You know, I think masculine and feminine are good things, and they help us understand who someone is. Mm. But I, I would like to see masculinity separated from maleness and femininity separated from femaleness. You know, I think... This understanding of non-binary being a secret third thing is also detrimental. We've we've sort of just created a trinary, and that's not helpful to anybody. Um, and I'm not necessarily of the idea that to be non-binary, you have to use they, them pronouns. I don't really like they, them pronouns for myself. It feels yeah. a little clocky, like someone saying, like, I can tell you've got gender. Yeah, because your pronouns are USA, right? <laughs> My pronouns are she, it, because I am the she, it.
1: Hey, that's a new one. You like that?
0: Yeah. Uh, The other one is uh, my pronouns are she it because I smell like she it. But a lot of queens' pronouns are she in.
1: Hey. That's a good one. Hey. Yeah.
0: Oh. Um, All right. Damn. (laughs) Give me dab, bro. Dab it
1: out. Yeah. You can do like that. Hey. You still got it in you. Yeah, I know. You, You can take the clean out of Texas, but. You can still put my
0: in a. I I will say something that I would love to just like get on a soapbox about right now is speaking of gender. Mm -hmm. I would love to divorce. I've used the word divorce a lot, but Mm -hmm. I would like to separate pussy from meaning cowardly. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm on a campaign to instead of saying you're a pussy, say you're a weenie. Weenie. You're being a weenie right now.
1: Yeah. It's giving weenie.
0: It's giving weenie. Yeah. Like, oh, no, they're just a weenie. Mm hmm.
1: With a hard like F word before you fucking weenie. Fucking weenie
0: or you're being a weener. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I will stuff. say, I will say too about my gender. My gender is hot. Okay. I want to be attractive. Okay. And my sexuality is hot. Yeah. If so, you so are hot. Like you still have time on your journey is what you're saying. <laughs> <I> get fucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll get there.
0: <laughs> I, uh. As long as someone finds me attractive and I find them attractive, I really do not care about what their parts are, what their labels are. It's just about the feeling between the two of us.
1: Are you one of those people that you're like, I feel like I'm more pansexual? Or are you someone that's like, I'm a demisexual?
0: I don't even like, want a label for it because already just sexual. I, I always say I am good at two things, drag and sex. Those are the my strengths as a human being.
1: What is your strength in sex?
0: Um, I can do it all. Juggling. I'm really good with my fingers, uh, really good with my tongue. As you may have seen during any one of my lip sync performances, I have a very dexterous mouth, Um, top, bottom. I can't bottom right now because I'm dealing with a little bit of a medical situation. But, um, oh, prolapse, hernia, even more serious, hemorrhoid, even more serious. Oh, cancer. (laughs) No, my asshole fell out. Um, No, do you know what a fistula is? A fistula she's on dragula isn't she yeah, that's right she went on fifth Fistula. um no it's uh google it and i've been dealing with one for about two Unless years you're under
1: 18 don't google it don't get me demonetized
0: i don't think it'll it's a medical thing okay it's just like a hole
1: that hey, if, shouldn't exist if that one guy can show his nared asshole on youtube what you haven't seen it
0: can you send me the link
1: yeah it's, okay. it's on youtube he's it's literally like you see his butthole it's like puckering out and stuff he's showing people how to nair their asshole and because it's considered educational gets to stay on youtube
0: i will say there is value in that i mean it is good information to have it's possible to not n- nair your asshole correctly yeah. and then you'll have what i have which is called a fistula and uh yeah it's very bad very painful damn i actually was dealing with it when i was on the show mm-hmm. that's why the lip sync was so bad
1: that's why <laughs> yeah that's why well, the more you know. No. See, I, I'm not familiar with official fish so now I'm gonna like I'm gonna Google it later myself, and then I'll find out and I'll be like, oh. You're not familiar with it because y- I'm
0: guessing that you don't shave your asshole. Not unless it's for a number, unless I need to, you know. Or you're making a YouTube video. Yeah, unless
1: only, only unless I'm making content.
0: Tutorials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you shave your asshole, you get an ingrown hair, it turns into an abscess. The abscess ruptures internally in your colon. That swells; it gets really big. Then the doctor drains it from the outside. Then you have a connection from the outside of your body to the inside of your body that shouldn't exist that doesn't heal naturally without surgery. And I uh, have actually had to have three separate surgeries and I'm still currently healing.
1: Sounds like sepsis with more steps. Stepsis. Stepsis.
0: Mm. What are you
1: doing, stepsis? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we have to leave on the topic of fistula because that is the last of my cards and the last bit of time we have. But before you go, I do want to give you a gift. Because we are talking about gender expression, gender journeys and stuff. And also, you were like in theater. I wanted to give you something. Oh, God. I'll hold it steady not for being, you. It's not, being, it's not being funny. It's not being funny. I, be I fun, eh? to you explain the significance of what it means to you. This is... Scourge of Human Folly, Essays and Opinions by Charles Ludlum. <gasps> oh my
0: God, you are good. What, what does it
1: mean? Who is Charles Ludlum?
0: Charles Ludlum is a, a theater artist who founded what he calls the theater of the ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he, he wrote this manifesto on, it says right here at the top, ridiculous theater. Um, and it sort of was the bridge between my theater training that is very pretentious. Actors are some of the most pretentious people on the planet and I always say, I love acting, I hate actors. Um, But this guy and his thoughts on theater were sort of the bridge between that school of thought and drag and a lot of his plays have drag characters in them and he himself was a very queer person. This is amazing, thank you. Whenever you were in school in theater, you actually directed a play by him, Bluebeard. I did. I would, a, an amazing play that is about uh, a mad scientist who it's, it's sort of a riff off of the Isle of Dr. Moreau. So in that one, he's trying to turn people into animals. And in Bluebeard, it's this guy who is so dissatisfied with both male and female sexes that he is trying to create a better third sex to satisfy him sexually
1: was like discovering him and like that play was, did that have like a big impact on like your development and your idea of like gender identity
0: it definitely felt like a way to practice the art that I was studying in school while also kind of acknowledging the philosophies that I was developing while studying things like drag you know I found myself as one of the only queer people in my theater program kind of like an alien again just like having knowledge of the world. We are just so lucky that we get to live outside the matrix as queer people. And once you leave the matrix and you're still forced to interact with people who are still in it, it can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I would approach things and characters from this perspective that people in my class and sometimes my professors even couldn't empathize with or understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I found this this artist, I, I just finally felt seen. And the humor that he found in playing with gender is, is something that is just not in a lot of theater. You know? And I think that's why so many people are drawn to drag is because of the humor in the way we experiment and express our gender. And that's just not found anywhere else in pop culture. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like whenever we were talking in the car earlier about how like whenever I'm doing this show, I kind of research people, and I feel like I get like a little bit better of an understanding of them, and I feel like I connect pieces that you don't see like on television. Yeah. And finding out about like uh, like this author, playwright, and then your connection to it, I was like, I feel like this is like a missing link that connects a lot of like, you know, stuff. I mean, makes a lot lot of things like click. Yeah.
0: From an outside point of view, if you know that I'm coming at my drag from the perspective of being ridiculous, Mm -hmm. the idea that me showing off my talent on the biggest drag stage in the world, and that talent being knowing how to make a glass of ice water, I feel like that all sort of makes sense. And I felt like, unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to communicate my ethos to the judges, or to Rue, or to everybody there, or even America, so that that perspective came through when I was performing my talent show. Or maybe the talent show just sucks but you know what failing is also an opportunity to an opportunity to learn and grow Mm. and i am grateful for going home first because since then i have been pushed so much harder Mm. to prove myself because i feel like i have so much more to prove now
1: yeah
0: well i'm glad
1: you to come on and like talk about that explain that a little bit more it could make sense more people and so the audience can empathize and understand that you are just that pretentious <laughs>
0: <laughs> so thank you for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> with that that is the last bit of time we have thank you all so much for tuning in fuck this show
0: i'm not doing this shit anymore
1: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me
0: uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, I mean, my god can can pe-
1: what, what do you have coming up where can people find you like what, what do you have going on <laughs>
0: Um, you can find me. Yeah, help help Bosco back up. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Irene the Alien because I'm having an identity crisis and I don't know how I want to identify. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe at some point I'll start putting out YouTube videos. So if you don't uh, identify, you you dropping the the Dubois. I'm actually writing a one woman show right now that is sort of a farewell to Dubois. Oh okay. It's sort of the Avoir to Dubois. Of what, Bitch, that's the title of the show. Thank you, Mm. I'm stealing that. Oh, no, you're gonna get demonetized. Oh, the label's out, it's okay, it's fine. Oh, okay, that's fine. We're not not amateurs around here. We're not
1: syndicated, (laughs) We'll get demonetized because you're talking about fistula, not red (laughs) tail.
0: But. Uh, Yeah, no, Irene Dubois was sort of, uh, it was a vintage character that I started doing when I started doing drag. And as I developed and became an alien, Um, that Irene Dubois didn't make sense anymore but I kind of was stuck with it because that's what everybody knew me as I was wondering why you had a name like someone from Louisiana whenever you were like babe if you google Irene Dubois it's me and old lady obituaries yeah
1: Uh, it made it a lot harder to I know
0: but I'm sure you found out about some cool gals (laughs) but uh, yeah au revoir to to Dubois the one woman show I'm writing that is sort of just like now that I have money and I have resources and I have access just do Irene Dubois the original vision to the best of my ability, and then put her away. Mm. And officially become Irene the Alien. Mm. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. Yeah, thank you for coming. This was so much fun. And and thank
1: you guys for tuning in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And join us next time whenever we have somebody else. And yeah, till then, bye guys. Give It To Me Straight is brought to you by Moguls of Media, AKA MOM. Hosted, produced, and edited by me, Maddie Morphosis. With audio editor, Margot Padilla. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.
0: M. Oh. M. Mom!